How many of you love Jesus? Hallelujah. How many of you have the joy of the Lord in your heart today? Glory to God. Well, say this with me. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. I never tire of saying that. Never. You say, I wish he'd quit saying that. No, I never tire of saying that. In fact, let's just make it personal. Say with me, Lord, you're good. And your mercy endures forever. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. God is so good to us. Amen. Go ahead and turn, if you will, to Proverbs, the third chapter. Uh, this is our uh, a Vision Sunday uh, uh, Pastor Scott and I are both going to be sharing this morning because it's, it's a little different. I'm going to go first, and I'll—I um, <clears throat> really ask the Lord to, to help me stay tr- on track and so forth. But you're going to Proverbs three. I, I love to start, no matter what we're doing. I just love to start with a scripture because it—it it just kind of is, you know, of my way of making a draw on heaven. I just want to draw. Uh, on, on the Lord and get myself aligned with God's word here. In Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon's writing to his household, to his sons. He's writing to his company and giving counsel to them. Uh, of course, you know, uh, so much of Proverbs is about that, but just kind of get a, a point of reference here. Let's read, I'm going to read to you the first eight verses. He says, My son, do not forget my law. I think the Hebrew word for that would be uh, Torah, but in the sense of um, he's talking about the instructions that he's going to give, but he's giving instructions to the household, to his sons, uh, based on the words of the prophets, uh, based on, you know, the, the written Torah. So he says, but let your, don't forget the law, let your heart, your inward man, keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace, they'll add to you. So there's a promise associated with the instruction. Praise the Lord. How many of you want to live all your days? How many of you rather live in peace than in turmoil? I'll tell you. Praise the Lord. Let not mercy, which is another word for kindness, uh, and truth, trustworthiness, forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, like a, like a chalkboard, the, uh, the pages of your heart. And so, here's the promise, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all, thank you, all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Yada, that word, um, it means to consult an order. Know what God is saying. In all your ways, consult. Know what God is saying and he will uh, make, he, he will direct uh, straight and level your, your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. And it will be, there's the promise, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Amen. There's a good scripture for you there, honey. Uh, she's been, you know, well, let me move on. Praise the Lord. Uh, amen. It'd be a blast to just be able to take these verses. You know, I love just teach uh, from things like that. But because here's a man who's teaching his household. He's teaching all those that he's, he's over. He's, in, he's teaching them um, how to approach life. If you want a full life, you want to live all your days. You don't want to die early. You don't want to be taken out. He's telling them how to have um, a life that's marked by peace and not anxiety and trouble and stress and all that stuff. He's telling them how to have favor, the favor of God, and how to have favor with God and how to have favor with men. He's, t- he's telling them how to be healthy, 
how to live healthy. And he's telling them how to be led of the Lord in life so that they stop ending up where they don't want to go. Anybody in here ever ended up where you didn't want to go? You end up, you, you never, you stop one day and say, I don't know how I got here, but this is not where I want to be. Well, this is what he's teaching us here. Now, you know, I... It's a, it's a wonderful thing, but let me just go back and I want to pull out maybe verse 5 and 6 and just focus on them because uh, what we want to do in this Vision Sunday, and what I want to share with you, it's, we want to, it's, it comes up out of a heart of trying to follow these particular, these particular scriptures. Verse 6 says, in all your ways, the path of life, in all your ways, acknowledge Acknowledge the, the Hebrew word yada, uh, Y-A-D-A, and it means to consider, to know, to, to recognize, to discern, to come to know God's thoughts and ways. Come to know God's thoughts and ways. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will, he will, say will, he will direct, make straight and level. Praise the Lord. Make str- How many of you know it's a lot easier to walk on level ground than it is uphill all the time? This is the promise. He will make straight, he will make straight your, your paths. Praise the Lord. And the promise is, you know, that we're going we're, we're gonna to have a, a, an easier walk in our life. And the Lord knows we need that in the day that we live. These are last days and uh, we need to be able to adapt a system from the word that will give us some clarity and normalcy in the past of our future. Amen. So now we teamed this, themed this Sunday, uh, Vision Sunday, Embracing 2016. And so what I'm, what I want to do to you today is is just have uh, maybe 15 more minutes of heart talk. Is that okay? I just want to talk to you and uh, just share with you some things that are uh, going on in my own heart. And uh, it's not, the the Sunday's not about me, but I have something to do with it. Amen. So, um, uh, I have made appeal, both of us, Scott, Pastor Scott and myself, made an appeal for everyone who felt like that Generations is their church to, to try to be here this morning. And I just want to say to you, I thank you so much for coming and letting us talk to you and uh, just, just share our, our hearts. I, obviously, there's people who have other things that they can't do it. So let me get to my point. Um, 2015. 2015 was actually, you know, I can't speak for you, but was was actually a, a very productive year in accomplishing things for the for the Lord. And when you, when you look back and you begin to just see, you know, da da da, it was also a year of stretching for us. It was also a year of testing of resilience, resiliency. That's it. Our resiliency. In some of your lives, you're just saying, "Man, I'm just glad that's over. We're in the new year." Some of you say, you "Can look back and." Rejoice, and even though you may have been stretched some, if if you go back and you just see the things that God brought you through, you can't help but dance a jig. Can I have a better amen than that? Because you're still here, glory to God. You're still fighting, hallelujah. You still got your shield of faith, and uh, you're going on uh, with Jesus. Can I have an amen? Praise the Lord. So, yeah, you know, from that standpoint, uh, it was a year of change, a year of change for most of us. Um, but we can just rejoice in the things that, that, that the Lord had done. So let me, without going into details on that, that's not the point. I want to, I want to kind of skip forward here. About mid-year, 
Um, uh, after Monica and I, we've been serving this church as senior pastors for almost 31 years. And then uh, most of that, you know, and then we, uh, Pastor uh, Scott and myself, we, we co-pastor for about the last year. And so we felt like the Lord told us to take a sabbatical, and which we, we did. It's, it was more of a kind of a, I, like a semi-sabbatical in that we didn't just go away and rest and do nothing at all. But we've been very involved in the church and so forth. But Pastor Scott assumed almost... All of the responsibilities of teaching and preaching and feeding and those kinds of things. And uh, praise the Lord. Yeah, he needs a hand. Praise God. He's done awesome. Just say one thing. How many of you have noticed how God's grown him so much in his... Can you give a big, big thank you to the Lord? Oh, yeah. Praise God. You know, it's just one of my favorite preachers. I say that with sincerity. Amen. But uh, so we did, we did that uh, and so forth. Now, uh, skipping though ahead, uh, toward the end of the end of the year, end of last year, um, I had just had a knowing in here because the sabbatical we were taking was just open ended. I didn't know how long it would be, but at the end, I just kind of knew that you know that season is coming to a close, and so. Uh, naturally trying to make lifestyles like the scripture I started with. What did that scripture? The scripture is for our lifestyle is trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Plus all that other part, verse 1 through 8, you know, it's just a direction for life. But as we begin to do that, just seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord, not only for us, but about this church. This church is, this church is our heart. We love you guys. I mean, we've been here so long. My Lord, it's just like, you know, I know every nut, bolt, every light bulb in this church. And I know most all of you about the same way. I know the light bulbs in you too, you know. And I know when many of your light bulbs burn out and need to be changed. That's okay. You, you understand what I'm saying. But, but just seeking the Lord, you know, what, what do you do? What do you have for... For us, we have for the church, we have for the future, we have for generations, and the Lord's so good. Amen. Amen. Say, say with me, the Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. You know, the Lord will lead you if you, if you give Him an opportunity. God leads you. Isn't that wonderful how God leads you? You know, James, first chapter, James by the Holy Spirit says, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and He'll... Release it to you. Give it to you. He won't fuss at you. He won't scold you. He just gives it to you. And he just says the only thing you have to do is you have to ask in faith and don't be wavering and back and forth. Oh, wonder, wonder. You know, ask and then your head's all filled with wonder. But you, Because honestly, the Lord then says, he says, if you're going to act that way, he says, don't let that man think he's going to get anything from God. So we don't want to be that way. But the Lord is so good and he leads us and he speaks, he speaks to us and gives us his instructions. Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, you, you, you want to know God's will. Because, you know, what God has, perhaps you, okay, let me put it this way. Perhaps the gifting, you know, inside of all of you, there is something that's planted. There's a supernatural endowment, a gifting that's inside you. Some of it, perhaps, is a five-fold ministry gift. The apostle, you know, prophet, evangelist, pastor. One of the, perhaps it's not. Perhaps it's a ministry gift of another nature. Perhaps your gift is more of a, a serving, a, a supportive ministry gift. But there's always something gifting that God gives to every person. But, you know, sometimes we have, uh, we have maybe several giftings that are within us. And God will 
be igniting, fanning the fire of one of them, and maybe another one is just smoldering. But God can change giftings as he chooses in the seasons that he wants. So, so no, you know, don't ever just get so stuck in, well, this is it, this is it, I can't. And then let fear in you so that you can't. I'll give you just a uh, man, I want to hurry this morning. But uh, a, a quick example. Um, I remembered uh, that one time the Lord, uh, not too long ago, spoke to me, uh, gave me a, a, a word in my heart. I didn't hear an audible voice, but in my heart. And I wrote a note. I made a note about it. <clears throat> and I put the note in the front of my Bible. Well, I was, God reminded me of that during this time of just seeking him to just get that peace, you know, to flow in that peace to go back into my Bible and look at that note that I had written in there. Well, honestly, I was surprised the note was written in 2011. I, I couldn't believe that it was, had been written that far ago. It was written in May the 29th of 2011. And in that note, let, let me just get exactly what it said here because I, I wanted to, to uh, quote it right. In that, in that little speaking just out of the blue, the Lord said to me, he says, I'm adding to your call slash anointing as to that of apostle. Now, <clears throat> it didn't say I'm calling you to be an apostle. And, and I thought it was kind of odd the way the Lord, because I tried to write it just as I heard the Lord. It says, I'm adding to your call, anointing, as to that of apostle. Then I wrote on the same note, how is that different? I'm thinking like, <laughs> I wrote on the same note. What does this mean? <laughs> On the same note, research this out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So God, my point is God can stir things within you, maybe that are latent for a while, but then move you in, a, in another way, which is good. It's good for all of us to learn as we're walking in life. And I'm beginning to see a little more as to what that was said five years ago in my own heart now. Now, let me get back. In relationship, though, to to this end of this sabbatical, the church, this great church, praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit said something to me very, very clearly. I want to, I'm going to say it to you as clear as I can, but this is the first, uh, this is one of the most important things this morning. But the Holy Spirit said to me very clearly, and we're supposed to know his voice. He said to me, he said to me, Albert. He says, when you come back from this sabbatical, I do not want you to come back as senior pastor. I do not want you to come back as co-pastor. And I'm, you know, I've been senior pastor for 31 years. Uh, But I remember one time when the Lord told me, I do not want you to be the worship leader. And I tried to be the worship leader for about three more months. (laughs) Have anybody ever tried to do something God didn't call you to do? It's not good. My advice to you is don't do it. Now, the Lord said, I do not want. But now here's what he did say. So we're going to be, as a church, now real clear, right? We're going to be real clear. No rumors. Real clear. Here's what the Lord said to me. He said, Albert... You're a pastor by call. You're a pastor pastor by gifting. I gifted you with a gift, the gifting of one of the five folk of pastoring. So you'll always be a pastor. 
you're, a gift, you're gifted and you're called the pastor, but you're not gifted and called now to be the lead pastor. That's not what I've called you to do. You'll always be a pastor, and you'll always be, uh, and the Lord said to me, you'll, you'll be you're involved, you're involved in generations, you're involved in this church, you're involved in leadership, but uh, you're teaching. I want you to teach and preach when I, pull, when I pull your chain and do it with great freedom. So look out. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, just as, as the Lord says, you know, praise God. But he said, let your, this is some of those, I'm putting it in my own words now, but let your pastoral gifting, your kind of a, a spiritual fathering, it's an aspect of, of apostolic call, but let that just flow as I move on you to touch this congregation. And so, praise God. Uh, to the best of my ability, uh, that's what I want to do. Amen. And uh, this is such a good church. You're a good church. And I think just communicating helps us all. God said, uh, God has just made it so plain to me that he has provided for us a good lead pastor. Hallelujah. God, God has a good, he has a wonderful, he's got a lead pastor that has enabled, is anointed, that is uh, uh, empowered, praise the Lord. Uh, perfect? No, nobody's perfect. But, you know, he's it's someone to do that. And I believe with all my heart that Lord has uh, put his hand upon uh, Pastor Scott and Melissa. Praise the Lord uh, to just to be used to the Lord. And they're going to grow more and more and more and more. I know this, uh, I had a few, not many, most of you said, ooh, praise the Lord, you're not preaching all the time. But there was a few of you, and I said, well, pastor, you know, you should be preaching. And, and I'm just thinking, and the Lord just helped me know that. He said, hey, how in this environment that, that I have for this church and for this pastor, how could this pastor get the experience and use the gifting and the training and let me help him grow in teaching and preaching and leading the flock if you didn't step back during a season. If you just kept plowing through and preaching all the time, you know, then he wouldn't be able to have the experience, get the experience. And, and you've got to exercise your gift. Just because you've got a gift doesn't mean that you just come out and just all of a sudden you're the big guy. You've got to exercise it. So he's, uh, God knows what he's doing, folks. Praise the Lord. So, you know, we just want to communicate with each other and, and, and go with it. Am I taking too long here? Praise the Lord. So God has and is still preparing uh, Scott and Melissa to be, they're just going to be great pastors. My expectation is this church is going to do better than it ever has before. I believe that with all my heart. And I mean, I'm going to be one of the most disappointed persons in the world. If it doesn't grow bigger, do more, you know, just reach more people, touch more people, heal more people than it ever has before. I just know that it's, that's your future. Amen. Amen. Look, at, look at somebody say, that's your future. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So this morning, I don't look at, I'm not stepping down. I'm not stepping aside. I'm not stepping away. I'm not stepping out. I'm not being pushed out. I'm not being, you know, run off. I ain't committed any moral failures for y'all to fire me. You know, praise the Lord. I'm just changing seats. Just going to change seats and change roles and let the Lord. Uh, we, Monica, I just believe we're just doing what God has told us to do. Now, I'm finishing up here and then I'm going to pray and Pastor Scott's going to come. But... <clears throat> I want to remind you of something. I think we shared this a long time ago whenever 
there began to be a little transition, and Scott became assistant pastor, or associate pastor, sorry. But at that time, I shared with you something that the Holy Spirit was just saying to uh, both of us. And he said, he said, yours can be an example of gracious divine transition. Or it can be like happens in so many churches. It can be ugly. can be divisive. Uh, you know, divide. And, uh, you know, how unfortunate we hear church leaders fighting each other, you know, and churches breaking up. 31 years, we've never had a church split. And we're not going to have one. We're not going to have one because, you know, so, but God said, listen, you have to decide to walk in graciousness, the grace of God, the grace of God. And so, uh, Scott and I talked and we, we just, we decided we're, anything that happens, any transition happens, it's going to be an example. We're going to flow in the example of divine graciousness. So I just want you to know, um, uh, Pastor Scott is my son, but he's also my friend. And, uh, and uh, we're, we respect each other. I respect him. I love him. I believe he respects me, and he loves me. You know, I, I, uh, father, son, yeah, but that's a different hat. We, we, we wear different hats, you know. We're not in competition. Uh, there, I'm not jealous of him. He, I don't think he's jealous of me. He's got nothing to be jealous of me about. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not threatened. And my flesh not threatened because God's using him. And I don't think he's threatened if God wants to use me with something. You know, um, we try to consult each other. In fact, we've made, a, we've made a, 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 an agreement within ourselves. We consult each other. We're going to talk together. We, uh, I'm not retiring. I'm just changing roles. And so I'm still part of this church. Uh, and so I just, want, I just want the devil just to hear it and people to hear it. We are united. Hallelujah. We are united. We're together. Bless God. Because we're going we're gonna to live in uh, walk in graciousness. Transition. Uh, it's an interesting subject. Transition doesn't ever have to be the end of a thing and the beginning of a thing. Transition is movement. Transition is forward movement. And change, if it's uh, brought about by God, is good. Things don't change, it dies. It gets old, you know. So those, those kinds of things are good. It's just forward movement. It's part of growth. It's as common as anything in the kingdom of God. It happens. Transitions just happen. There's so many examples in the, in the Bible. You know that you could take the transition, and I'm certainly not pleased. I'm certainly not comparing us to the great heroes of faith in the Bible. But, you, you, you know, you, you take uh, Moses. Moses had a job to do. Moses fulfilled his job. Was he perfect? No. Didn't get everything done that he maybe he could have done. But uh, he did. He did a part. Here comes Joshua. Joshua did a part. One, one, one had a certain demeanor. 
One had a certain vision. One, you know, another had a way to do things. Joshua's a warrior. He's just a big old fighter, you know. He, you know, Moses just said, take the sword and go whack him up. <laughs> Moses is a statesman, you know. He's just this miracle. He just did all kinds of things. But they were both leaders. Uh, I thought Elijah and Elisha, both leaders. It was a transition time. Elijah did his. Elisha did his. David. You know, Saul, start out with Saul. Saul did, he messed up, blew it, um, <clears throat> full of pride. God help us to never be like a Saul. Here comes David. God's always got a man. Here comes David. David does his job. David's another warrior. All he did was just cut off heads. I mean, you know, it just defeat, 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 slice up, you know. He was, he was just, he was a bad guy. I mean, bad for the Lord in a good way. You know, he's a warrior. <laughs> Sounded funny. But then he had a son, Solomon. And uh, Solomon accomplished things, that, did things that God said, David, I can't have you. You can't do that. But I want your son to do it. Oh, there's always transitions. Amen. Transitions are good. And um, that's the way that I, I just see this. <clears throat> I'm going to ask... Um, before Scott comes and shares, I'm going to ask Monica to join me, please. And I'm going to ask Scott and Mel, if they would please come up here. I'm going to read you a... This is an example. Scott and Mel, would you all just come on up here? Thanks, Robert. Uh, an example of transition. This is just an example of transition. In Numbers 27 and verse 18, the Bible says, And the Lord said to Moses... Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Ghost, and lay your hands on him and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. And different translations have a different word here. Uh, the New King James says, and inaugurate him in their sight. The King James says, charge him, give him a charge in the congregation's sight. And you shall give some of your honor, New King James says, authority to him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. They'll hear and they'll follow, basically, that they'll follow. Deuteronomy 34, 9 says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him so that the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. In other words, they followed the leaders as the leaders followed God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, um, I'm, I'm, I want to speak this charge over you. And actually, this is a charge from the scriptures. I want to speak this charge over Scott and Mel. And this charge is... It's not only from the Bible. It was given, Paul gave it to Timothy. But I remember a time when it was kind of a low time for me. One of all people, in fact, the only one around me at the time, God gave this to my wife. And my wife spoke this charge to me. And it just looks like God talking it to me. Uh, I'm sure you've read it in your Bible. But this is what Paul said to, to Timothy. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, 
And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. I'd say to you, when it's convenient, when it's inconvenient. When it's comfortable, when it's uncomfortable. When it's politically incorrect or incorrect, but it's doctrinally correct. Preach the word. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. A time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, but instead to suit their own lust, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, and they'll turn their ears away from the truth, and they turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. In other words, help people find Christ. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. As relates to this flock, praise God. And I would say to you and just remind you, son, as we've talked about it before, but in, in the presence of this congregation, you're charged with three main things. Feed the flock of God. You always be sure that you have something in here, not here, to feed this flock. You feed them. Lead the flock. That requires that you're going to have to hear from God and hear the vision. He'll have to tell you, the Holy Spirit will have to tell you, which, where's the pastor to go today? What's the, what's the, let's, what do I, how do I guide? Guide where? You feed, you lead, you guide, and you guard. You guard. You guard this flock. Because Paul said, you know, he said like, in his day, he said like, when I leave, there's going to be grievous wolves come in. They're going to try to take, you know, try to take the sheep. So a pastor, you got to be bold. I've done some things over the years uh, that made people really, really mad. I've had it a few times. It's had to be almost downright. It just seemed to them be really stern and, and maybe even ugly. But they were going to hurt the sheep. And um, so it's not always comfortable. But you have a responsibility. You've got a rod and a staff. The word and the Holy Ghost. Word to teach, Holy Ghost to beat the snot out of the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. And to make him leave people alone. Amen. There's a, a level of authority that's coming upon you now that you've not walked in before. And it will be not only authority in your own life and ministry and your own family, but a level of authority um, to stand against the ways of evil, even those that you serve. So receive it. Praise God in the name of Jesus and uh, let it lift you up. May it be like a coat that, that, that comes upon you, uh, a coat that just drapes upon you, that anointing in the name of Jesus uh, to do uh, all that God's called you to do in Jesus' name. Honey, let's pray over them right now. I just lay my hands on you as, as we have example in the New Testament and the Old Testament 
Thank you, Lord. And, and I thank you, Lord, that you will impart uh, to this beautiful couple all that they need. Praise the Lord. Give them divine grace to do what you've called them to do. And it may just be astonishing to, the, to, to, to people, but may they stay humble and submitted to you so that you can use them. In Jesus' name I pray. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have, you have a mic for Monica. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I wanted to say to you first um, how much we I love you. And some of you have seen us from day one. You know, we founded the church, and you, you were there too. And so many things I love about this church. But one of the things is your grace towards us. Yeah. When we started out, we never pastored, and, you know, we learned and made mistakes. But as far as I know, you acted like you didn't see it. You probably just hit your knees. <laughs> but that, I know, nobody knows mistakes you make better than yourself. So for that, I thank you so much, and I love you for it. And I know that you'll do that with them, too. Because as as has been brought out, we don't always do everything that pleases everybody, you know, exactly their way. But I pray that you will have that same grace and love and support for them, too. Yes. Amen. 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 Um, I just want to say, I love you, sweetheart. My son, the man of God. And I want to say, I love you, sweetheart. Our daughter, the woman of God. When we first came into the ministry, I felt very content and complete to recognize my call was by his side. That was good. It always has been, still is, good enough to be by his side. That was my, my place, my call. But Doro Basai Moso Bokasha Yabase Bokohora Mandeki Diasahayabase Bosho Dodada Yanda Karataki. And every uh, person <clears throat> I gift and anoint somewhat differently. And so you look at those that you admire and you do things like they do. But in your case, your giftings are different than many that you see around you. You have a gifting to bless, to teach, to preach, and to lead also. And so as you work together, you'll see that there will be uh, both of you stepping forward and both of you giving the word of the Lord as I move on you. So it'll be a beautiful thing. And uh, it'll be a picture of oneness and unity as you flow together as husband and wife and as preacher and preacher. Glory to God. Amen. (laughs) Preacher and preacher. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have anything else? I don't know. Let me see. Okay. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe not. Praise the Lord. 
So uh, over time, you know, I, re- I realized, yeah, people can act stupid sometimes, and, and I'm one of them. And the Lord has a lot of grace and a lot of patience, and uh, he calls on us to have the same grace and patience. But uh, I can say that what the, per- the person uh, I was, I have just been amazed at watching the Lord um, push me in ways I never thought he would, grow me in ways I never thought he could, uh, and develop love for people in a way I didn't think was part of my DNA. And I can honestly say I care infinitely about every single one of you, and I love you guys, and that's the Lord. Um, I'm excited about this. Hallelujah. I, I, will, I, I commit to you I will do everything in my power to earn your trust, to earn your respect, but I can tell you there won't be enough. It won't be enough. I'm going to have to rely on the Lord. I'm going to have to rely on God. Um, So, hallelujah. Today, I want to talk to you about vision here at Generations Church. I want to talk about the future of Generations Church. Uh, Practicing and understanding our vision, having a fresh vision in our lives is is so absolutely critical. Uh, We preached last week, we were talking about vision in our personal lives. It's an absolutely critical essential thing for all of us to have vision in our own personal lives. You should have a vision for your family. If you and your spouse have never sat down and wrote out a vision for your family, you need to do that, right? Have a vision for your life. But the same goes for us today as a community, as a generation's church. We need to know where God wants to take us as a body. Uh, And so that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. The first half of what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go as fast as I can. The first half will be reinforcing what a lot of you already know if you've been coming to generations for very long. Some of you who maybe have just started coming to Generations in the last year or two, uh, or maybe just started calling this your home, this will be really valuable and and perhaps new to some of you. Uh, But later in our discussion, in a a few minutes later in the morning, I want to share some fresh direction from the Lord that I believe will interest all of us. So as I said before, if you're a visitor today, I am so glad you're here today. It is an unusual service, uh, but I think you're going to have a good time finding out what we're all about. So I'm going to answer four questions today. I ask God, how do, how do I structure this? How do I talk? What do you want, what do you want to share with people? And I'm going I'm to structure this as four questions. I want to talk about who are we. I want to talk about why are we here. I want to talk about how do we do what we do. And then, finally, what part do you and I play going forward? Who, why, how, and what now? Okay, so let's start off with the with the who we are. This is quite simply, this is our vision. This is who we are. We are a community of people being changed by God to change the world. This is this is our vision statement. We, we talk about this all the time. Change is actually in our DNA. We're a community of people. Number, there's three parts to that. Number one, we're a community of people because we're not supposed to be doing this thing on our own. We're not a bunch of isolated, individualistic islands. We are a community, and we do this together. Number two, we are changed by God. We are continuing to be changed by God, right? Notice that says being changed by God. Not just changed, but being changed. 
right? We haven't arrived. Nobody's perfect. We're still being changed by God, and we are desperate for that. If you're like me, you do not want to be the person you used to be. You want God to continue to grow you and develop you. And that, so we're desperate for that around here. If you come to Generations Real, I know change scares some people, but if you come to Generations, we are people who are being changed by God. And he does it for a reason, right? He does it for a reason, not just so we can like sit back in like the hot tub with other Christians and God and be like, hey, it's all of us. That's a weird image, but anyway. <laughs> we're being changed by God for a reason, and that's to change the world, right? We're to get out there and change the world. That's, that's who we are. Why are we here? Here's the why. We exist. Why are we here? Why are we on this planet? Why are we on this property? We exist to help you know God better so you can trust Him more and discover His will for your life. That's why we're here, in a nutshell. This is, we, we ask ourselves, now, what is it that the community, what would people miss if we were just suddenly disappeared? This is why we are here, to help you know God better so you can trust Him more and discover His will for life. This means we want to help lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. That first part means a growing relationship with Jesus. We want, you to, help, we want to help you know God better. Because we believe that when you know Him better, the closer your relationship is with Jesus, the better you, the better you know Him, the more you can trust Him. We believe that it's going to grow your faith. The more you know God, we believe it grows your faith. And that is what it's all about. We grow your faith. And when that happens, the clearer your purpose becomes. We want to help you know your purpose. We want to help you know God's will in your life. We exist to help you know God better so you can trust him more and discover his will. At at, at Generations, we're not just interested in coming to church and learning lots of facts about the Bible. Because we study the Bible. We study the Bible, but it's one more way to develop a closer relationship with Jesus. That's why we, did you know that? That's why we study the Bible. Because we want to get a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to know his will for us. Right? We want to know what he's doing in the world. We desire that relationship with him because he desires that relationship with us. And it's through that relationship that we learn to trust more. We, you, trust the, you trust a person the more you know him, Right? You just learn, the more you learn about them, you, you, you learn they're, they're an honest person, they mean what they say, they're the way they are in public, that they are in private, that you learn to trust that person. That's the way it is with Jesus. You learn to trust him. That relationship grows our faith and it reveals our purpose. It, we're not just here to stuff ourselves with more and more knowledge or just learning the rules, you know, for acting more moral. That is religion. That's joining a religion. You learn the rules, how to act more moral, and you learn lots of knowledge and how to do the secret handshake. That's religion. It's only through growing relationship, though, with Jesus that you and I can, can watch our faith grow. And that's what we want. We want to watch our faith grow. We want our purpose to become clearer. I want every single one of you to just to be crystal clear about what God has you here for. What God has you on the planet for. Every one of us should be crystal clear about that. That's why we're here, to help you know God better so you can trust him more, discover his will for your life. Now, let's talk about the third question, is the how. How do we do this? We've had the why. Now we ask the question, how do we do this? Quite simply, at Generations, we build relationships. Okay? We build relationships. This is part of our DNA. Everything we do is about building relationships. This has been, been our... Our, over the last couple of years, this has been like our compass to help us to know what the next step is. At Generations, we are laser-focused toward the goal of strengthening those relationships in our lives that are essential to being a healthy, flourishing disciple of Jesus Christ. 
You need the right relationships. This is part of our DNA. Now, what kind of relationships are you saying? Are you saying, well, Generations Church, we help you, like, find a mate? You know, or what, what, what are we doing here at Generations? What we're talking about here, the pattern we see in Scripture is the call for every believer to reach out in three directions. We call it our three directions, right? It's a brilliant word for it. To, we, 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 right? Part of our mission statement. This is basically our mission statement. It's to form relationships with God, with fellow believers, and the world outside our doors. This is our mission. We call, the, the, like I said, the three directions. Outreach, upreach, and inreach. We just made up words to make it work, right? Outreach, upreach, and inreach. You can see that everything that we do falls under these directions of relationship. When we worship God, when we're studying his word, that's upreach, right? When he's speaking to us. When we, when we go out and we be a blessing to our community or something like that, that's outreach. When we gather together to encourage one another, that's inreach. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. If we're doing it right, they're all usually happening at the same time, right? When you and I get together, empowered by God, to go touch the world, we got it all going on. We've got upreach, inreach, and outreach happening at the same time. It's, it's a relationship that is dynamic and anointed. So we've talked about who we are. We've talked about why we exist and how we do things. Now, I'm going really fast on this. We, uh, if you want uh, further to get really deep into this, a, a couple of years ago, back in 2014, we did a great series uh, about, uh, called The Core, and it talked about all of our values, our vision, our mission. And uh, so I encourage you to go back to the website, check out those uh, those. Uh, sermons. That we, we had really good in-depth discussion on that, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time. This is just really a quick synopsis of that. Today, I want to get to the most important part to me. What part do you and I play now, going forward? What do we play this year? You've got the why, you've got the how. Here's the what now. I want to illustrate the what now uh, with a passage of scripture, because Jesus did something that's so brilliant. He's, it's so brilliant. It's, it's a wonderful picture of where we're going this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus calls the 12, that's the, the disciples, he calls them together, and he says that he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That is a perfect, in, one, in a perfect sentence, a picture of the gospel in action. The good news, right there. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and healing the sick. Amen. Over in the gospel of Mark, uh, it, it tells really the same event. It gives another telling of it. And it adds the detail that he sent the disciples out in pairs there. Now, back in Luke, let's look at what Jesus does uh, just a chapter later in Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. How many? 72. 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So at first we see him sending out the 12 disciples. And then we see him later. He sends out the 72 to do the same thing. His all of his disciples. So there's two important details that I want to notice here. Number one, the call to go out and make disciples is not limited to the 12. It's not limited to some perceived inner circle, elite, whatever it is. Jesus didn't say, okay, you guys in my inner circle. I want you guys, you go share the gospel, right? You make disciples, you do that thing that we do. All you other you people out there, y'all are good. You just chill. 
till I come back, right? In fact, let's just meet back here every Sunday and let these 12 tell you what they did. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't do that. He sent everybody. He sent everybody. Everybody, he, he commissioned the 72. Uh, that means it's not just people who like work in full-time ministry, or it's not just people who uh, belong to a ministry team of the outreach ministry team of Rayford Road or something like that. It's not just them. It's, it's not just for leaders or something in the church. It is for all of us. Because if you're a disciple, you make disciples. Second thing I notice in this little short story here, in both cases, Jesus sent them out in groups. That's interesting, isn't it? Why? Because that is how the kingdom works. It's how it operates when we're doing it right. You're not doing it by yourself. Even when we're serving in outreach, we're serving together, right? Just like we're in relationship with each other and we're, then we're forming these relationships with the world. Inreach is just as important as outreach, which is all an important part of, of our growing in relationship with God. So even, even later, in his life, when Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he's given the great commission to his, his close disciples there on the mountaintop. If you look over in Matthew, before he ascends to heaven, notice what he says. Therefore, go and make what? Disciples, disciples of all nations. So, yeah, he's talking to his disciples at this point. He's, send, he's sending out his disciples. And what are they supposed to do? Make disciples. Disciples, you guys go out and make disciples, not just converts, not just people who are like mentally ascent. Okay, I want to join your religion. Make disciples, make people who are like you. And go do what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach those new disciples to do this same thing I'm telling you to go do. Right? And then how does he end it? And surely... I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Hallelujah. Even right here uh, is just a beautiful reminder that what God calls us to is not a solitary life. God is with us. He is with us. We don't have to do this on our own, right? We're not doing this under our own power or our own great big ideas, whatever it is. God is with us. And Christianity isn't meant to be lived alone. You're not meant to be sent out all by yourself. We're not a bunch of independent islands who just come to church once a week and then go back to staying out of each other's lives, you know? And I know for some of us, that's kind of the natural thing, right? Maybe you're a private person. I'm a private person. And we just kind of like, I'm going to be private. And you be private and we'll be good that way, right? <laughs> but God tells us we got to stretch ourselves. We got to, we, that just won't fly, right? For some of you, that's awesome news. You're like, oh, you never met a stranger. You're like, that's awesome. I get to be in everybody's life. <laughs> Everybody's business, yay! And for you, we have a whole nother sermon. <laughs> but for those of us who are naturally very private, sort of like, no, it's okay. We have to step out. See, we have to step out. And you know what? You know what God does? He changes us. He changes us so that we can change the world. Amen? Amen. We're never alone. Jesus is always with us, and he calls us to do life together. The life of a disciple is never meant to be lonely. It's never meant to be stressful or end in burnout because nobody is there for you. Nobody knows what you're going through. That is never what God meant to happen in the life of a disciple. So we come back to the what now question. What part do we play? What is God telling us for this year? Being a part of generations of this community, it means understanding two things, and here it is. Everyone makes disciples. 
And no one walks alone. At Generations Church, everyone makes disciples and no one walks alone. I'm challenging every person here, if you call Generations home, to commit to these two things with me. This is the message I can say without hesitation that the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart. He, He spoke this to my heart as the marching orders for this church for 2016. Everyone makes disciples. No one walks alone. It's two things. It makes, he made it really easy. He could have given us like 10 commandments. That would have been, you know, he, you know like he could give us like the 42, you know, the compact things we had to understand. He gave us two. It's really easy. We can all remember two things, right? Everyone makes disciples. No one walks alone. So I want to unpack these two things just real quick here in the last few minutes. This first sentence, everyone makes disciples. Is, it's really the commitment you made when you, when you joined the family of God, when you, when you first became a follower of Jesus, because disciples, real disciples, make disciples, right? That's what he called us to. It's the great commission that he called us to. It's the ministry of outreach that we're called to do. It's those relationships that we form with the outside world, outside these doors. This is the people that you, you invite to come with you to church, right? You're making disciples. That's, that's a form of that. A lot, a lot of people might ask, like, how do, I, how do I make disciples? I mean, that sounds kind of intimidating. What, I have to, like, start my own group and be the leader or something like that. What am I doing here? You know, how do I play my part in spreading the gospel and growing the kingdom of God? It's really, really simple. I'm gonna make it really simple for you. Inviting people to church is disciple-making one-on-one. One-on-one disciple-making, inviting people to church. There's lots of other ways you can, you can uh, be a disciple-maker. You can befriend people who are hurting, people you know. Uh, you can host Bible studies in your home. That's awesome. You pray for folks at work and your neighbors and things like that. You might even be, you know, advanced discipleship 301, where you're like walking up to people at Kroger and just prophesying over them or something like that. That's great. That's wonderful. But the number one way... Every single one of us can start making a difference in somebody's life right now is invite them to church. It's very simple. Invite them to church. Ask them if, when you're, when you're talking to them, ask them if there's something you can pray with them about. Uh, my friend Brad was telling some wonderful stories just about times lately where the Lord has moved on him to just sort of step out of his comfort zone. And when he sees somebody in the checkout counter who looks sort of sad, Go ahead and ask him, what's going on? You know, just make that extra step. What's going on there? What's going on? Can I pray with you? You know, to make that extra step. You make a difference in somebody's life. There are a lot of different ways. Uh, if they have some need, you, you can, and then you, you know what you can do is then you can tell them about a place where God can speak to them through teaching and through worship and through community, through other people, that God can speak to them. So, so that's something, for some of us, that's going to require something from us. It's going to require, like, exercising a new muscle, right? It's going to require you to engage the world in relationship. See, this isn't just, I'm not, I'm not just talking to, like, like, new baby Christians or people who don't really go to church much. I'm, I'm talking to all of us. I'm talking to some of you who've, like, been a Christian for, you know, 140 years, right? Some of us, we're very comfortable around Christians and around our Christian friends, and it's going to require us to go and form relationships with the world, right? So I don't, want to pull, I don't want to pull Christians out of somebody else's church. I want people who need Jesus and don't have anywhere to go and don't have a community of faith, right? That's who I want. I want. And, and so you got to be ready to, you might have to be ready to give them a ride, right? You can't just tell them, look it up on Google and figure it out. I'll see you on Sunday, right? 
You might need to be ready to give up your favorite seat and go sit someplace that's more comfortable for them, you know, something like that. And, and, or when you're here and you see somebody new, you might need to walk over and welcome them and show them around. Be willing to do these things. Here's my commitment to you. See, I'm asking you for this commitment. So here's my commitment to you. When you invite your friends to church, we are going to do everything we can to welcome them. We're going to do everything we can to make them feel relaxed, to make them feel appreciated, right? We're going to do everything we can not to scare them, okay? We're going to worship with some really good music, right? And, and we're going to preach a relevant message from God's word. But most of all, most of what we're going to do is we're going to do our best to create the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to do what he does best, and that is change people's hearts. We want to create the atmosphere for people to, to be able to receive from the Lord, we, and a lot of times that just means getting out of the way and letting God do his thing, right? Before too long, I'm confident that friend of yours that you brought is going to be somebody who's being changed by God to change the world. How many of you can picture a friend right now at work or your neighbor or somebody like that? You can imagine them. Oh, man, if there was a miracle that happened, they could be somebody being changed by God to change the world. We all know people. We all know people. I, I think for too long I've, just, I've watched a lot of us enjoy our church. We love our church. We love it so much, we want to keep it to ourselves. And it should not be. Some of us love Jesus so much. We love that he's our Savior. And you're keeping him all to yourself. And that should not be. We can't do that. I'm telling you, God is getting ready to use us as, as, as friends, as a community. He's getting ready to use us in some awesome new ways. Some really cool new ways. And i got to be honest, it's not just for the benefit of us sitting here. It's not really for our benefit. It's for the hundreds and hundreds of people who are out there, who are destined to call this place their home, who are destined to have a community of people, who who are destined to come here to generations. They don't even know it yet, but God has his hand on their life, right? He has his eye on their life, on their families, because they, they don't know it yet because somebody has to tell them. Someone needs to tell them about Jesus and invite them to church, okay? That's the first commitment I need everybody to make with me. Everyone makes disciples. Because that's what disciples do. We make disciples. And, and Jesus is just too wonderful to keep to ourselves. Amen? Amen? Amen. The second part of this, no one walks alone. This is the second commitment that we, I want us to make this year to each other. I, I can't even describe what it was like when this word dropped inside me. God spoke this to me one day. I was driving in my car, not a care in the world, and suddenly inside me, it just st- I was struck by the realization that in this community, there are, there are hundreds of thousands of hurting people in this community who feel hopeless because they, they don't have anyone to go for help or encouragement. Hundreds of thousands of people hurting and hopeless. And then I realized the even greater tragedy is that it happens in the church. That is the greatest crime of all. Within the family of God, in this holy place, his body. This is his body. Right here, you and me. And there are people who have suffered in silence because they think nobody cares. And that ought not to be. Do you agree with me? There should be nobody at Generations Church suffering in silence. Nobody should be walking alone. I almost drove off the road when this hit me. I, I, I'm not a very sappy person, you know, so I'm, you know, he just like broke right through my little heart of steel. You know, the salty discharge started coming out of my eyes. 
I'm like, what in the world? I'm so struck by this realization. And I'm determined. I'm determined. I'm telling you to make this, this statement true at Generations. I want to make this true. But I also want to make it such a part of our DNA that even folks in our community know it. I want to make people in this community know. They might say, hey, those folks over a generation, they're a little weird. But I tell you what, you'll never be alone over there. They are like really into love. Right? I want to make that true. And so, look, this isn't just a promise, you know, from, from, from us as pastors we're making to you. It's a commitment that all of us in this faith community called Generations, we get to make to each other. This life of Christ was not meant to be a solitary journey. And if yours is, if, if your walk is like, feels like it's all by yourself, you're doing it the hard way. You're doing it the hard way. It doesn't make you evil, but it, you're doing it the hard way, right? It was never meant to be that way. We want to help you build a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. That, that's the most important relationship. We want to help you build that. And a closer relationship with fellow believers, right? Because that makes this journey a lot more successful. It'll make your life more flourishing. And it makes it a lot more fun, too. I'll just add that, right? When we're doing this thing together, we grow in him together. We are to worship him together. We're doing life together. We're to rely on the encouragement of each other when we're struggling. We're to celebrate together when we have some kind of a victory, we're to, we're to get together and read his word together. And we're to help keep each other accountable and sharpened together. The Bible even says to confess your sins one to another. How many are doing that, right? We are to help each other rebuke those lies of the devil that you're supposed to go through life lonely. That's just the way life is. You're supposed to be lonely and isolated. We're to cur- encourage each other, stand against the devil together, Right? 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 Okay. Let's make sure you're there. Now, all of this is going to require us to step out of our comfort zones. Right? We're going to have to reach outside of our 4.2 member families. We're going to have to reach outside and gather together in different ways. Right? There might be some different ways that we get to worship the Lord together. Different opportunities. We need to work together in serving our community. There's several really exciting things uh, that we're going to roll out this year. I didn't really feel like, uh, to tell you the truth, I didn't feel like today was the day to give you like a laundry list of, of changes and new programs and things like that. What I really want, what I believe God wants to do today is speak to our hearts. Get us moving in the same direction, right? So that whatever it is he tells us to do tomorrow, we're like already there. We're waiting. We're like, yes, God. We're ready. We understand why you're telling us to do this. That's what I want to do today. Jesus sent out the 72 to preach the good news, not just the 12. The 72. Because everyone makes disciples, and nobody walks alone. This is our vision for 2016. That by the end of this year, December 31st, 2016, we can say truthfully and sincerely, Generations Church is a community where everybody makes disciples. And man, no one walks alone there. Everything we do, all the projects and all the programs and the new directions that are going to be, you'll be hearing about in the coming weeks, they're going to be laser-focused toward this vision. We are, we're, we are going to make this, these statements true through the power of Jesus Christ who strengthens us. Amen? Let me tell you what. I said this last week. We are not playing not to lose. Okay? We're not playing it safe. There's no time for it. There's no time to play not to lose. We're not going to bury the talent that God has put in our hands just out of fear of making a mistake. Okay? We might make some mistakes. I'm just going to tell you that. All right? It's okay. 
Don't, don't freak out. It's going to be okay. We will pray dangerous prayers at this church. We will pray epic prayers at this church. Prayers that you're going to be like, that can't ever happen. Well, we're going to pray them anyway because we believe in an epic God who can do things that we can't see how it's possible. Right? We believe in that kind of a God. We're going to believe for God to move in epic ways, in ways that don't seem possible. We're, going to, we're just going to be foolish enough in the eyes of the world, to believe that God can do those things, right? Why are we going to do this? Because we have been given one life. This is it. There are no redos, right? This is it. No redos. We, we want to be the place where disciples make disciples and no one walks alone. And so I want to make this promise to you. If you will join me in, in making and in serving alongside me at Generations Church, and you, if you step out in faith... And you try something new at Generations. You're like, hey, I've got this great idea. You try it, and it's something fresh and new, and it succeeds. We are going to celebrate right along with you, right? Because when you win, we all win, right? We are going to celebrate. It's going to be awesome. And let me tell you something else. If you say, I've got this new thing, I'm going to try. If you step out in faith, and you risk doing something courageous, and it falls flat, praise God, we're going to celebrate anyway. Because we just discovered one more way not to do that, right? <laughs> all right? No condemnation for trying and failing, <laughs> okay? We're going to celebrate. Amen. Ultimately, we're dependent on God. It's his church. It, it, it's not pastor's church. It's not my church. It's, it's his church, right? We're all just doing what we're told to do. We're all doing our part. And I love what Erwin McManus said. He said it last week. We, we looked at it last week. He says, when we seize our divine moments, we don't live risk-free, but we instead we become free to risk. We are free to risk, right? This is our divine moment, church. This is it. Will you trust God and dream dangerously with me? Will you join me in making disciples and becoming the kind of disciples who make disciples? Will you be that person? Will you declare with me here that no one walks alone at Generations Church? Will we make that statement true? Will you commit to knowing God better so that you can trust him more and know his will? Get to know him better. See, if you will, if you'll, com- if you'll make this commitment with me, I believe something very powerful that, that it's not just this church, not just here, that it, we're going to see God's miracles unleashed. I think we're going to see God's miracles unleashed in your families. We're going to see God's miracles unleashed in your health, in your finances, in your jobs, in your relationships, because faith moves mountains. Amen? So we've got to trust him. We want some mountains to move. We've got to trust him. We've got to use our faith. We can't just use our big, great ideas. We want to use our faith. Amen? I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or say anything like that. But if you will make this commitment with me this year, if you'll make this commitment to make this a place where disciples make disciples and no one walks alone, if you'll say, yes, Scott, I'm on board, I'm going to ask you to stand up. No pressure. If you don't want to make that commitment, don't stand. If you'll make that commitment, just stand with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. I was, I was praying for 50%, so this is just far beyond my every imagination. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father God, Father God, we stand humbly before you. We're your children. We're going to depend on you every step of the way. Lord God, don't let us make a step. You're not already there. 
don't let us go any direction you're not leading us. But don't let us be too scared to make that step, Father God. Give us the courage to trust in you, Lord. I thank you, Father. You are growing us. You are changing us so that we can be world changers, so that we can change our community. I thank you, Father, for every person in this room, Lord God. You know everything going on in their hearts. You know everything going on in in their homes, under the privacy of their roof, Father God. I thank you, Lord. You know what's going on in their job. Lord, you care about them. I thank you, Father God, that you are going to do miracles in their life. And they are going to be so full of joy and so full of faith that comes from knowing you better that they're not going to be able to contain it. That they're going to just have to go make disciples. Turn us into disciple makers, Lord God. And break our heart, Lord, for what breaks yours. Help us to see the hurting going on in other people and to go ahead and stop what we're doing and go find out what we can do so that nobody walks alone. I thank you, Father, for that, Lord. We praise you. You're at the center of it all. This is all for you. We honor you, Lord. Praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 My, my, my brothers and sisters, let's, let's grow in faith. Let's grow the kingdom of God. Amen. And let's grow in our impact of our community. Will you do that with me? Yeah. Hallelujah.